I'm going to be speaking today on carnality. Carnal thinking is thinking like the world thinks. Now think about that. Carnal thinking is thinking like the world thinks. The title of the message is, Are You Carnal Minded? In other words, if we think like the world thinks and yet say we're believers, the Scripture has a word of caution to us. Now, if we know the Lord, we think different than the world thinks. The world is confused. All you have to do is watch the news. As you watch the news, I would ask you to just come and talk with me personally if you disagree with the fact that every single thing in the Scripture that is prophesied will take place before Jesus comes back to this earth again has already taken place. In all of the things of the falling away, the carnality, it is all done. Abortion is a huge issue, a huge issue in our country. It is a clear issue in the Holy Word of God. There is no question about many things that we argue about and fight over and vote about. It's God's Word. If we don't obey God's Word, we are thinking carnally. Now listen to what the Bible says. This is not for just one. It's for all of us, including the preacher. It's a word of caution. I hope before we get through it to be a word of comfort. So listen as I read to you from Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. The title of the message today, Are You Carnal-Minded? Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now let's go to James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterers, adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Listen, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. One more, if we can handle it. Galatians 6, 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap, listen, say it with me, life everlasting. I hope that we would all believe in the hereafter. I would hope that we all would want to be prepared for the hereafter, that we would all like to one day meet the God that created the heavens and the earth and sent his only son to die on the cross and then raise that son from the dead in order that we might break the chains of carnality and live the life that God wants us to live in this life as well as in the life to come. Now, if you read the dictionary more than you read the Bible, I looked up the word carnal. Here's what it says. It says it's relating to physical need and activities. Carnality is wrapped up in how we behave, how we act, what we do, how we think. All of that comes under the umbrella 
of carnality. So here's a question for all of us. Why are some Christians not successes as persons? In other words, they say, I'm a Christian, but they're unhappy. They, they say, I am this, I am that, but they, they always seem to walk in defeat. They always, to those that say, you can take it or leave it, talking about sin, they take it. What's going on with all of that? Now, question number two for our thought is this. Why is it that so many people who claim to have Jesus in their heart have so much devil in their life? That's a tough question, but it's an honest question. You think about your world. You think about your life. Through the years, I've talked to a lot of people one-on-one from all walks of life, different nations, different colors, different in the economic strategy, different ages, go on and on and on. And yet, I have seen many, many, many who tell me they have Jesus in their heart. Yet, they're sad, some of them. Some of them are angry. Some of them are depressed. Some of them are frustrated. Some of them are confused. While others are absolutely filled with joy and peace and hope. But not all. Matter of fact, the majority may be with that first group. Why is that? Why is it that the world cannot identify a Christian, not by where they go to church or what name is their denomination, but why can't they tell those that are children of God and those that are not? Those that claim to be, but their life would say, according to the Scripture and the warning of the Scripture, and thank God we're alive today and we can make a choice. With every breath we draw, we don't know what another day is going to bring, but we know this, that God's Word is inspired and it's inerrant and infallible. But here we got both groups, the carnal and the righteous, and they're not agreeing. Well, how can two walk together unless they be agreed, the Scripture says? And I believe that the Scripture that I've just read to you is the answer to the question. So we're going to talk about that a little, little bit. Let me go back to Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now here's what it says. There is a group of people out there that fall in one of these two categories, two groups, okay? In this category... There are those that are full of joy. They have joy unspeakable. They have a peace that passes all understanding. They are totally convinced that their God will supply their need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. They are totally committed that Jesus is going to be first in their life. They are totally committed to remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. They're out there by the tens of thousands and the millions but there are many, many more that are on the other side. They claim to be. The Lord says, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? 
Why can't we understand the difference between a commandment and a suggestion? You know, a lot of people think the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions. You understand that, don't you? In fact, you've considered them and adopted two of them to work on the rest of your life. That's not what the Bible says. He says, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. He says, if you love me, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my child, you acknowledge your sin, confess it, not be afraid to go public with it in baptism, and then serve the Lord the rest of your life. Let me ask you a question. Those of us, let's just say we're all claimed to be Christians that are here. I think when we get together and worship and we may have thousands of people and two or three will say, I think I need to be saved. Well, the fact is that there are many, many people that are listening to me right now, both here in this auditorium, watching on television, listening on the radio, and they're lost. They go to church, but they're lost. They have never, ever, ever confessed their sin, repented of them, and asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart and experience the new birth. Now, how long can a, a person enjoy being a baby? You say, well, my brother uh, has enjoyed it for about 29 years now. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about, but maybe it is. But you know, there comes a time when you want to grow up. And there's a lot of people that I'm going to lean a little bit and say, I hope that there's a lot of people that have been born again that they just hadn't grown up. Because they act like babies in everything they do in their life. There's just not any maturity there at all. But when we read the scriptures, there's a big warning there. Do you know the Lord? Have you been born again? Do you really know him? Or are you still carnal-minded? Do you still think just like the world thinks? You go into a voting booth just like the world thinks. You go to church just like the world thinks. You go to work just like the world thinks. You go to school just like the world thinks. You have no commitment to the Lordship of Christ and the fact that Jesus lives in your life and wants to direct every word you speak, every place you go, everything you do, including what you look at, what you listen to, and on and on and on and on. So my question is, how long can you enjoy being a baby if you're a physical baby? more important question is, how long can you continue to enjoy being a spiritual baby? Now, answer that question. We are forced to grow up as babies. We have to grow up as babies. You have to have birthday number two, three, four, five, whatever. But what about spiritually? Are we to just lay as babies, act as babies, think like babies, not being able to reason, not being able to know right from wrong, do we spend the rest of our life living like that and believe that we have fulfilled what the Scripture warns about, and that is leaving carnality and coming into the walk with God? So, are we a spiritual baby? Or are we mature followers of Jesus Christ, knowing that in our maturity, there's responsibility. When you become a parent, the Bible says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Where are you? Where are you? Do you think, if you're 60 years old, do you think about things spiritually like a six-year-old? 
Do you see the world like a six-year-old or a 16-year-old? Or have you come to understand that just telling people that you are a Christian is not enough? Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I command you to do? Why is it that the Sabbath is not holy to you? Why is it that you don't give anything to the Lord of your time, of your talents, of your substance? Nothing. And yet if somebody asks you, are you a Christian, you'd say, yeah. Yeah, I was baptized 40 years ago. Have you grown up? Have you become mature in your faith? Don't just tell people you're a Christian. They'll know it by our works. If we were all to be honest, I think what we'd say, I'm a little of both. <laughs> That's a safe place in it. Instead of picking a side, I think I'm a little bit of both. Well, which way does the scale go? Are, are you more carnal? Are you, are you more righteous? Are your thoughts more carnal? Are they more righteous? Are the favorite things you read and watch, are they spiritual or are they worldly? Do the things that you like to do in your life, would you put them under the spiritual or would you put them under the worldly? That's just tests that are private that all of us need to take. Some of us are immature at times and we're mature at other times. But as we look at ourselves, we probably will see that a little bad and a little good, or maybe much of one and less of the other. Let me ask you, if you've ever been around a coach, if you've ever played any kind of sport or you had a coach or you are a coach, does a coach look to the team and say, I'm going to talk to you today. This is Monday. We've played our big game on Friday, and we'll talk to you about all the good things that, that we're doing. Not for very long. Usually, the coach spends their time getting us to do better. Think what it'd be like if the church would do that. Let's get our act together. Let's be a team. You know, some bring them and others skin them, you know, whatever. But what we do is we become who we are supposed to be. Living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Now, to do that, you've got to put the carnality behind. You understand? How about doctors? <laughs> do they spend most of their time telling us that we're bad or good? You have examinations say, I just won't tell you just how great thou art. <laughs> they usually sit down and say, well, I don't have good news for you. And then they go on and, and they, they'll, they'll take us and stick us and cut us and bell us. But you know, if we get well, we like the result. Hey, the Lord can do the same thing. He's the great physician. Sometimes there's some pain. Sometimes there's some difficulty. But what is he wanting us to do? He's wanting us to become righteous and live forever. It's not about a temporary thing. It's about an eternal thing. Always remember that. If we're 90% healthy as Christians and 10% unhealthy, most of us would like to get up to 100% if that was the statistics. 
But as we think about the great physician and his wanting to make us who we are, God says to us, now here's the way you know, my child, that you are getting out of carnality and you're getting into righteousness. Your whole things to do and things not to do list will change. In that change, always, always, if you're changing to be like God, you are moving into an area of your life when it's about others, not about us. It's about others. That's what Jesus did. He died on the cross, not so he could go to heaven. He died on the cross so we could go to heaven. He rose from the grave so we could rise from the grave. He did everything he could do to get us out of this world. That like the Roman Empire came upon him, he paid the price. He shed his blood for our sins on what we refer to as the old rugged cross. Now, if you want to get better, this is the book. Not the next seller, not the next bestseller, not the next movie. This is it, okay? God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. It very, very clearly tells us what to do. Could I give you a sample? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, listen, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study the word to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But it goes on but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. It's time, folks, for we that are in the family of God to quit making excuses and start confessing and turning to him. It's time for revival in our families, in our personal life, in our churches, in our city, in our nation, and would God help us the world. For God so loved the world, not just America, but the world. The hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet today, way more than half of the churches don't give one dime to reach the other world. It's all about them and their little group. We have to account for that. We have to give a reason for what we have done, which is totally apart from God's word. The book of 1 Corinthians was the first letter written to that church in Corinth. And there are three things that were passed on in that passage in 1 Corinthians 3, 3 through 9. Let me read it to you. For you are yet carnal, for whereas here among you there's envy and strife and divisions... Are you not yet carnal and you walk as men? For while one says, I'm of Paul, another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave every man. I have planted, Paul says, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God gives the increase. Now he that plants... And he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. 
You're God's husbandry, and you're God's building. You know what all that says? We're a family. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We all have a place. Our place is not out in the world. Our place is in the body of Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So let me meddle for just a moment. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking to you about strife, but envying that I've just dealt with is maybe the worst, the worst one of the three. But let me go to something before I get there. I'm going to meddle for a moment. I want you to test. Now, don't write anything down. Don't say anything to your friend. Don't answer this out loud. Just look honestly at yourself. Question number one, did you ever see anyone prettier or more handsome than you? <laughs> Does that ruin your day when you find somebody that has more money than you? Better looking you, younger than you, whatever. What about when friends start doing that and families start doing that and get in all kinds of argument? <laughs> who, who uh, you, know, you sit around sometimes and you're saying something needs to be done. Now, who's going to go do it? Who's going to get up and go do it? You know, the door needs closed, all right? Who? I mean, it's almost you have to have a Democratic Party and a Republican Party and an Independent Party decide who's going to go shut the door. I mean, it's just always that kind of thing. And then we sit around in all these terrible conversations that when are they going to shut their mouth? Well, I think sometimes it's when are we going to shut our mouth if we're just getting into the fight. We need to get out of the fight. And on Christ the solid rock we stand and all the other ground is sinking sand. If God says it, that settles it. I've said that hundreds of times. It's not God said it, I believe it, that settles it. If God says it, that settles it. doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. But if you want to walk with God, you believe it. And when you believe it, you say, oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. 1 Corinthians 3, 18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and that they are vain. And then the third thing, envying strife and divisions. All of that comes in the body of Christ because we can't choose who we're going to serve. We have those that want to do it this way, those who want to do it that way, but we won't walk together. Now, the spiritual man, let's get on him real quick. His time is running out. The spiritual man does not depend upon man. He depends upon God. Not my brother-in-law supply all my needs. Not my government will supply all my needs. Not my friends will supply all my needs. My God will supply all my needs. He is the one. He owns everything. He has 24-7 for you, and you won't have to wait four months for an appointment. He says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And he doesn't take Medicare and he doesn't take Medicaid, but he'll take you and he will make you what he created you to be and he'll make me what he created me to be. But we have to learn to walk with him. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are all the good stuff. Now, you'll have to go to Galatians 5, through 26 to look all these up, and I don't have time to go over all of them. 
But if we live in the Spirit, my dear friend, we're going to walk in the Spirit. Don't tell us what we do in the prayer closet. What do you do on Main Street? What do you do when you're in your automobile? What do you do at the cafe? What do you do at the ball game? What do you do when you go out to do things of pleasure? What do you do? Don't call me Lord, Lord, do not the things I command. That's what he says. He says, if you want to walk in righteousness, you walk with me. You know, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are, are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lust. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. All of these gifts, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, they all come from God. Everything we need to deal with each other comes from God. It's like going in a store with a credit card, just get anything you need. You know, edgers, trimmers, washers, whatever you got to have, go get it. But you know what? If we're going to live the way God wants us to live, it comes from above. That's where we get it. We don't get it at the education. We don't get it anywhere but God. God will supply our need. Well, we get so foolish sometimes. I wrote some things down over the last couple of weeks. Here's some of the things that I hear all the time. See if you've ever heard these. This is foolish thinking. You know why I'm like I am? No, why? Because I had a father and mother. Think about that one. People tell me I'm just like my father. You're just like your father. You know, hard-headed, mean, carry on. That's kind of a dumb question. And then the others have a past history. Do you know anybody that doesn't have a past history? You're not the only one that has a mother and a daddy, and you're not the only one with a past history, okay? Throw those out. Those will not work before God. Just join the group, okay? I blew up. Well, that's a good one. Have you ever been anybody that just blew up? I broke down. It's your car that breaks down. Not you, all right? I went to pieces. Well, that's a powerful statement. I lost my head. If we could pan the television cameras here, it looks like nobody here has. They're still there. Well, that's a man thinketh, and you still got your head, and I hope there's a brain in there for all of us. So is he. So is he. When we discover that our pity parties aren't going to work, we can go somewhere with God. How many times do we get tempted to blame other folks because we got a problem? But we want to blame them. We blame the devil. He's the one that causes the problem. He's the God of death. He is the one that leads us into rebellion and hatred and bitterness. It's him. It's him. It's not other people. Other people will say things like this. My problem is I've quit praying. My problem is I quit reading the Bible. My problem is I've quit giving. My problem is I quit coming to church. Now you're on the right road now. Those are very clear symptoms that something is wrong with a child of God. The very desire that you would have for any of these things can come from God. But when they don't come to pass, 
Could you look back and say, you know, I'm not praying like I used to. I don't read my Bible like I used to. I, I don't come to church like I used to. I, I, I don't use my time. I don't use my talents. I don't use my substance like I should and like I used to. Now we're down into where we can go home today on a very, very positive note. The problem of pleasure-seeking is the biggest problem many people have. Everybody wants to have fun. Everybody wants to have a good time. Everybody wants to have just party, party, party. Proverbs 21, 27 is interesting. It says, the one who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will not get rich. You go through the entire book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom of the Bible, and you will see when a person chooses to leave the teachings of God, according to the scriptures, they're on their way to failure and disaster and eternal death. But you know what people want today? More sin. I'm sorry. That's the programs that are going up. That's the movies that are filling in the box office. Just go up. Just going up. More drugs, more alcohol, more gambling, more debt, more loneliness, more anger, more bitterness, more confusion, more pornography, termination of employment. And we go on and on with the list. It's all out there. Why? 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 Because we have not come to that time in our life when we'll just confess. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's all out there. I've told you at the beginning of this service, you can go into this room here in just a moment and you can have a brand new life if you want to bring all of that baggage that you're carrying, your mind, your emotions, your heart, your, your whole personality, the people that know you and love you and want to follow you. You bring it all with you and you put it at the feet of Jesus. And the Lord says, welcome home, my child. The days from now until I call you home are going to be the greatest days of your life. I'm looking right now at many people having been here a long time. I remember when you were in your 30s and you gave your heart to Jesus and you're still here in your 70s and 80s, but you came to Christ and it made a huge difference in your life. You've never been the same since that day. Amen? Jesus changes things and he don't change them for the worse. He changes them for the better. And you know what success is? Listen, it's fulfilling God's purpose for your life. It's not setting the state record. It's not being the number one performer in whatever you do. It's getting right with God and letting him run your life. That's the way you do it. That's success. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. He wants to put a smile on your face. 
joy in your heart, purpose in your life, that every day with Jesus becomes sweeter than the day before. The longer we serve him, the sweeter he grows. But it all starts with you and me and everyone else. We make the cause. The Lord has made it clear, whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Would you come? Would you receive him into your life and dedicate your life to being the light of the world, not the darkness of the world, leaving the darkness and coming to the light and investing your life in God's service, doing what you can do well, but do it in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Now, here's a challenge, and I'm through. It's found in Colossians 1:27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, say it with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That it is. Free. No down payment. No interest. It's free. It's not for somebody else. It's for you. It's for you. Now, you and you alone know if you're happy. You and you alone know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. But I'm telling you, it's not by works of righteousness which you've done. It's by his stripes that we've been healed. We owe everything to Jesus Christ. Don't ever damn his name. Don't ever spit in his face. Don't ever turn and walk away in arrogance. But humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the scripture says, and in due time, he will exalt you. Maybe somebody needs exalting today. Maybe somebody needs to get off that road and go another route. I'm going to Dallas this afternoon. I thought I was going to drive until I heard that from Corsicana to Dallas is two lanes and a seven-hour drive. I'm going on an airplane. <laughs> I had not got that much time to sit on the highway. I don't know what another day is going to bring, but I know Jesus is coming. And I'm not a scholar of this book, but I know one thing. All the prophecies I know have been fulfilled. So let's get ready, folks. Think about it with me. Let's put him first. If you have any doubt, if you don't know that you know, if you died today, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. The Savior's waiting and says, come home, my child. Come home. Yesterday, I celebrated the 60th anniversary of my high school class of Pasadena High School. God bless us, Pasadena High School. That is our name. Never, oh, never will we lose our fame. <laughs> we'll sing together and true we will be. Yes, all right, that's us. We had our reunion. We had a good time. The only thing that was sad was that over 100 of our classmates are absent from the body and present with the Lord. We found that out yesterday. Over 100 of graduates in my graduating class, some of them didn't make it through college. Some of them, one, I know, not the theme high school. We don't know. But we know he loves us unconditionally. We don't have to be a Pasadena High School graduate, nor nagging for those of you that want to be arrogant. <laughs> and the Longhorns aren't any better. But you know what? Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And you know what he says? Whosoever will may come. Red or yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Rich, poor, come home, come home. 
It's supper time. It is time to quit messing around in a carnal world and come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord.